All right, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, and, and we're going to be in starting in verse 11 this morning. Um, good to have the women back. We missed you guys last week, and, uh, and I hope you guys had a really great fake summer this week. <laughs> I fall for this every year, and every year, the day like today comes around, and I go, I did it again. I did it again. I spent all week just caring about my grass, pulling covers off of barbecues and off my patio furniture and told the kids that they could go swim. And now it's going to rain all week. So looking forward to the real summer that's coming in, I don't know, another couple of weeks, but probably going to have snow or something this week. So, but anyway, if you guys were here last week or you caught the sermon online or whatever, uh, we started 1 John chapter 3, and that was really talking about the practice of righteousness, and that we as Christians have to practice righteousness, and, and we looked at some things that can hold us down and hold us back from, from practicing righteousness, and this idea that practicing righteousness is a way we can be closer to God. It's that walking in the light that John's talked about over and over again. John has this theme of this letter, and it's really practice righteousness, walk in the light, have a relationship with God. And, and the other one we're going to see today that he's brought up in the past, and he's, we're talking about it today, and we're going to talk about it again before First John's over. And it's that we have to be people that love one another. And so I'm just going to read our text, and, and we'll jump into it this morning. We're going to start in verse 11. <clears throat> For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and we do these things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of, this, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Pretty powerful text this morning. And John's not holding it back any punches this morning. 
this idea of loving one another comes up so often in the Bible. And for a good reason, I think it's for a very good reason that John talks about it like five times. It's like in every chapter of first John, he's talking about this. It's important. We see that it separates us from uh, the world, this love that we have for people. We're going to see five. I got a five point sermon today, guys. This is crazy. I don't know. Um, we see, we're going to see five characteristics of uh, Christian love in, in our text today that John, uh, John really just goes, uh, 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 whoa. Often as he does, he's saying we can kind of look through these areas of our life and, and see how we're doing. It's almost like a test that he's given us to go, how are you doing in these areas? How are you doing in practicing righteousness last week? How are you doing with your relationship with God? Are there things holding you back? Are there things weighing you down from, from experiencing the full joyness of God? And I think here we're going to see that today, as he just says, hey, as Christians, we're called to love one another. We're called to love one another. So we're going to see five characteristics of Christian love this morning. And if you're a note taker, number one is just going to be uh, a love that obeys God. And we see that right from the start here in verse 11. This for this message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. There's the commandment. We should love one another. <clears throat> and you guys know, we've, we've gone over this. A lot of this is just review from just a few weeks ago. But uh, you guys know, Jesus gave us that new commandment. He said, love one another. Uh, where is it? John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But then he says, as I have loved you. And so it's a love that obeys God. And it goes on to say, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. <clears throat> so Jesus kind of gives us the ultimate example and demonstration on how to love others. And Jesus tells us we need to go and do that. And look, I've given you an example. I've laid it out for you. Go and do that. But then John follows it up with, here's an example of what not to do. Let's look at Cain and Abel. <clears throat> I think we can look, and it says that we should love one another comma, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And so you just go, well, we shouldn't be loving people as Cain loved Abel. Which makes me go like, you know, Cain and Abel were brothers, grew up together. Cain surely loved Abel at one point in time, right? As kids. Something happened to Cain. <laughs> and we see that Cain's deeds were evil because he was disobedient to God. And that it's that disobedient 
the disobedience to God, which leads to a lack of love. And that lack of love turns into hatred. And then that hatred uh, for Cain turned into murder. We get to a point where two brothers who loved each other and one ends up murdering the other one. Well, how do we get there? I think a lot of it has to just come back to the obedience of God. Hebrews 11, 14, or 11.4 tells us that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. I think we can look at that word by faith, that part by faith, and, and just say, Cain's offering was lacking faith. Or at least Abel's had more faith. And so you can start to make the connection that maybe Cain's lack of faith was the start of his disobedience. Let him down that road of just uh, hatred and pride and anger. In Genesis 4, 5, that, that's where we see the story of Cain and Abel. I'm just going to read a few verses from it, but it says, For Cain and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. I am my brother's keeper. And, and so you just see there's anger at the beginning. God even tries to come down and correct him and say, what's going on with you, Cain? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And it says, hey, look, man, if you just obey, if you can just follow what I'm telling you to do, you'll be accepted. But Cain just refuses to obey. He refuses to, to listen to even God talking to him and, and just says, well, I'm still just, I'm, you know, I'm going to let my pride and flesh and anger uh, win over what God's telling me to do. And, and it says, not only did Cain kill Abel, but then he just lies straight to God's face about it and says, I don't know what happened. Like God didn't already know what happened. So this first point is that it's a love that obeys God. If we have that example of what not to do in Cain and Abel, we look back at the, the beginning where it says, love one another as I have loved you. And I don't have a bunch of time to go into everything that Jesus does, but I hope you guys know the love of Jesus. I hope you guys have been in the gospel. It's the love of Jesus that is really the root of Christianity. 
It's what Jesus stood for, was love. It's why Jesus brought that new commandment and said, this is what matters, that we love one another. And he said, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do that the correct way and, and, and then go do it like I did it. So I think the first thing we can ask ourselves this morning is how are we doing with loving people? And then the second question based on the answer to your first is, how are you doing at loving difficult people? That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me. Our flesh gets so involved in, in, in things. A lot of you know, I worked at, got an opportunity to work at a prison here in the state of Oregon for a couple of years and uh, also have a dad who uh, is visiting prison on the other side. Um, so I know a little bit about the workings inside of a prison. And, and when you just hear that question, how are you doing loving difficult people? Some people are just difficult. Some people are just difficult. And some, our flesh wants to go, I don't have to put up with this. This is crazy. Like, they're not worth my time, whatever. I, you know, I don't need this. But you just go, I, like, man, I saw people in prison and prison's got their own set of rules and, and things that they do. And it was, I had a few opportunities to sit in uh, as like the guard at the, at the chapel. It's pretty cool. You know, I got to see some guys give their life to Jesus in there. Uh, yeah. Amen, man. And you guys pray for those chaplains that go into those prisons and, and prison ministry. That's a, that's a huge ministry there. Um, but often inmates talk about uh, other inmates that have bad paperwork. And I, and it was like, what does that mean? And, and, and often they're talking about, inmates that have crimes against uh, women and, and children. But you see these guys and, and a lot of them come into chapel and, and getting saved and the dudes in the other, in the room with them, just like almost not happy that these guys are giving their lives to Christ. And talk about loving difficult people. And I just, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to, you know, what's up, man? Well, that guy's got bad paperwork. I don't want, you know, I don't associate myself with him. And you just go, we're called to love one another, how Jesus loved one another. And yeah, those people are difficult. Those people are difficult to love. And there's absolutely the stuff they do is horrendous. But if they've given their life to Christ, if they've repented for those sins, if they've turned their, their back on the way they used to be and, and, and have moved forward, then, then they're a brother. They're a brother in Christ. And we're called to love even, even the guys with bad paperwork. I think a lot of the time our flesh tells us it tries to change the, maybe the last part of that verse to love one another um, unless they've done something to upset me. Love one another un unless they have a different political view than, than I do. 
love one another unless I don't really like what, what they're up to. That's not what the Bible says. And again, that's so hard to do sometimes. That's so hard to do sometimes to, to just take a person that, that you don't see eye to eye with, but they're brother in Christ and we're called to love them. They may have did you dirty, but we're called to love them. And yeah, this thing's got to be worked out. I'm not saying walk around and, and, and be fake with one another. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. You got to get to the root of the problem, work some things out. And we're going to talk about that in kind of our next point here. But um, Jesus loves the misfits. Jesus loves the rejects. And Jesus loves the sinners. And a love that obeys God means that we're loving people like Jesus loved people. Regardless of their status. Uh, Brett Metter up at Athey Creek often <laughs> uses this phrase, Jesus loves and can save anyone from the uttermost to the guttermost. I've always loved, I've always loved that from Jesus loves and can save anyone from the uttermost to the guttermost. And, and uh, the first thing we're looking at here is that this love that Christians have, Christians should have for one another is a love that, that, that is obedient to God. It's not one that's going to fester um, with anger. It's not going to be one that, that is disobedient to God because we know where that leads. That leads to Cain killing Abel in a field. And we're going to rise above that as Christians. Point number two, if you're a note taker, is a love. It, this is a love that's foreign to the world. Thir 13 says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Tell us how you really feel, John. There's some crazy statements here. But they're not that crazy because he's just basically quoting what Jesus said back in Matthew. <clears throat> the idea here, uh, we'll get to Matthew here in a second, but we shouldn't be surprised when we see people in the world that hate us. The world deals with things differently than we do. We're called to be above the world, right? And Jesus is pretty straightforward in, in Matthew 5 that when we have problems and, and, and hate, that that's a big deal to Jesus. That's a big deal to God. Because the Jesus that loved us, the Jesus that sacrificed for us, again, getting ahead a little bit here, but that Jesus that showed us how to, and demonstrated how to love and, and said, go and do this. And then we've, Jesus finds us just loving like the world or hating like the world. And that's not glorifying to God. 
That goes back to our point. That's, that's not practicing righteousness. Matthew 5, 21, it says, this is Jesus talking. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So if you're walking around holding on to hate for a brother, you're in that same judgment that the murderer is in. I think that's the point John was trying to make here. He's trying to just reference what these guys know. You know this. Jesus said it. You know this. The world can't get along and resolve issues because they don't practice righteousness. The world is prideful. The world is bitter. The world is wicked. And we look around and go, it's no wonder that there's crazy things happening in the world. There's crazy things happening. People can't get along with one another. But we're different. Christians, we're different. We're called to be humble. We're called to be patient. We're supposed to be slow to speak. We're supposed to be slow to anger. And if we're doing these things, if we're practicing righteousness, then it should be easy for us as Christians to love. It should be easy for us as Christians to resolve issues. It should be easy for us as Christians to get along. Easier said than done. Um, It's hard. We have sin. Uh, Our flesh builds up. Uh, The anger and bitterness get inside. And so it says it should be easy, but Satan wants to keep us divided. The devil wants to keep us divided. The devil wants to keep us down. Satan wants us to feel like our enemy is each other and not the world, not him. It's one of the enemy's biggest uh, tools that he's got is, is to just cause division. And to say, this person wronged you, you get angry about it. And not says what, I like that it says without cause, but it keeps going. <clears throat> it keeps going. Matthew uh, 23, it says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. First be reconciled with your brother, then come back and offer your gift. What's that saying there? Saying God says before you do anything, before you come to me, you need to you need to get right with your brother. You need to sit down with your brother and and reconcile. If you got something against your brother or sister, it needs to be dealt with. And yes, and yes, and it, it needs to be forgiven. And as Christian, I, I love this week. It's been it's been kind of a crazy week around here. Been kind of a, a crazy week around here. Um and and I've had to sit through some meetings this week and, and do some reconciliation. You know what's awesome? 
God tells us how to do reconciliation in the Bible, says that we need to go to one another, says that we, God's got a whole game plan on how to do this. And you know what I'm finding? Two Christian brothers and sisters sit down together and work something out. It gets worked out. Because when you can sit down as a brother and sister practicing righteousness, humbling yourself, things, things, are, things are getting worked out. And I praise God for that. Praise the Lord that we're different from the world. Because the world, they're going to hold on to the bitterness. They're going to hold on to uh, hate. They're going to react when, when uh, offense is given. They're going to react offensively. But we're called to be better than the world. The love that Christians show people should confuse the world. You guys ever seen that? You guys ever experienced that? It should be confusing to them, and it is often. It's a foreign concept to the world to just turn the other cheek, to sit down and, and say, this guy offended you. You need to get him back. That's what the world's saying. That's what the Satan's saying. What the enemy's saying. You need to get revenge. And God's saying, no, this needs to be reconciled. But we're not going to do it the way the world wants to be doing it. We're going to be doing it the, the way that God, Jesus is doing it. The way Jesus tells us to handle things. And I'm not saying that's easy. It's hard. That's so hard to do sometimes. God tested me <laughs> big time this last year uh, with this. I sold a guy my pickup truck. He knows you were there. I praise God that Travis was in the car with me when this happened. I sold a guy a pickup truck. Uh, I love that pickup too. It's like my first adult purchase. Um, I sold some young dude a, a pickup, uh, let him make payments. And, and he, he had made a few payments just to kind of like lay away, you know, and he had given me about half of what he had owed me. And, and he was just like, you know, really telling me how he really needed a vehicle. And I was just like, Hey man, I trust you. You've made these payments, like take, take it, you know? And I wrote up a contract and we did it the right way. And the dude ghosted me. The, the dude took my truck, put it in his name. And I never heard from him again. And I, <laughs> I got angry. I just was driving around with Travis. I don't even remember what we were doing, but I was sitting at an intersection and the truck drove by me. And I said, that's my truck. And I was ready to just go find that guy. Say, I'm going to find that guy and I'm going to get my money for this truck. Travis, you're going to drive my truck home. I'm going to get in this truck. We're going to repo this thing, man. I was hot and thank the Lord for a good brother who came and said, bro, you are out of line right now. Yeah. You're out of line right now. I said, yeah, you're right. You're right. And after praying about it, I, I, you know, I have one contact number for that guy. I don't know if he changed his number or whatever. I sent him a text and said, Hey man, I just want you to know, like still love to get that money. I'm not, I don't know what's going on with you, man. Love to hear from you. Love to chat. Um, I just want you to know, I, I'm not mad. 
I'm not mad. I'm going to try not to be mad. God, I'm going to try not to do that. But I've seen that truck. I've seen that truck a few more times. And I just hear Travis's voice going, chill out, bro. Chill out, man. That's God's got, <laughs> we, we, we different from the world. We're different from the world. <clears throat> oh, moving on. Um, number three is it's a love that sacrifices for others. Verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from, from him now, how does the love of God abide in him? <clears throat> and how do we know we're being loving? Because God demonstrated that love for us when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. That's what this verse is saying. Jesus came down to, to earth and, and showed us the ultimate sacrifice. Again, Jesus shows us how to do this. He's laid it out. And John's saying here, hey, the son of God sacrificed himself for you so that you can have eternal life. It's literally John 3, 16. You guys know it. It says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved us that he gave us his son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. <clears throat> Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still goofing off, while we were still doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing before we were born again into the family of God. God loved us. God loved us and, and showed us that sacrificial love that we're supposed to go show others. <clears throat> love often involves sacrifice. <clears throat> and even this says, laying down our lives and that really sounds like, man, you're going to take a bullet for somebody. And I like that. Um, it's, it's also the same uh, wordage that, that's, uh, that could be like set aside, which I think means the same thing. But also like, if you just look at it as like setting aside your life for somebody else's. And that could still mean taking a bullet for one of your Christian brothers or sisters. Um, but that also just means sacrifice. That means putting your life aside to help a brother, to help a sister. Again, that's a hard thing to do. The hard thing to do to, to just go, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm doing okay at this. Like, could I be doing more? And, and you just go, I, I don't know. And again, we talk about it's easy to help our people we're hanging out with on a regular basis, people we consider our good friends, our inner circle. But you go, are, are you helping the, the difficult people? 
the people that you think are difficult? Are we sacrificing for them? What are we setting aside to help out our Christian brothers or sisters? Could be time, could be resources. You know, if you get that call that says, hey, I, I need some help moving my house. Are you that kind of Christian brother or sister who says, what time can I be there? You go, I don't know. I need to like wash my hair that day. I need to take my dog for a walk or, you know. It says if you've got the world's goods, if you've got things and you're not helping a brother or sister out, if you're shutting your heart, I like that. It says if you're, trying to shut up your heart. If you see somebody in need, somebody struggling and your heart's telling you to help them and you just go, I, I don't think I need to do that. Or no, I don't know. Like they got themselves into this mess. They can get themselves out. That's not a love that's sacrificing for others. And again, we can just look at our example, Jesus, and, and, and just see that was the, that's the ultimate sacrifice. He laid down his life for us. We can set aside our life to help our brothers and sisters out in a time of need. And so I hope we're doing that. I love to see that, but man, we, we do seem to do that pretty well as a church. I praise God for that. You know, there's meal trains coming up when, when things happen. And, um, I feel like most of us are pretty quick to, but we could always do, we could always do more. All right. Uh, Point number four, it's a love that's sincere. And verse 18 just says, my little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And verse 18 is simply just summarizing what we just went through. Verses 11 through 17. But he's saying it's not enough to just talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. There's action involved. Sincerity matters. It's good to express love. It's better to show the action. Uh, you know, how many of you guys have said actions speak louder than words to your kids? We have people. There's people that walk around, you know, at, at, all over the place that, you know, you can look somebody in the eye and go, I love you. But if you're not showing that action, it really doesn't mean much. If you're not showing that loving action, uh, those are just words. And, and unfortunately, those words don't mean much when they don't match your actions. And so that's great. You want to tell somebody you, you love them. That's great. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the deed and truth here. Uh, it's just uh, the sincerity of, of what's going on that actually matters. That fruit. Point number five is just kind of wraps this whole thing together. And it's a love that brings assurance. And we'll finish up our text here. It says, and by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. 
For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do these things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gives us this commandment. <clears throat> as John's been telling us about these characteristics, characteristics of Christian love and how they need to be obedient, they need to be sacrificial, uh, and they're sincere, now John just kind of closes the chapter out and, and just saying, you should find some reassurance in this. You should find some reassurance in, in knowing that if you're doing these things, it's sure, sure a heart, your heart should be assured. I even love that it says like, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Because I think some, you know, sometimes our heart needs to be condemned. There needs to be conviction and go, I'm not doing enough. I'm not loving my brother in a way that I should. There's something wrong here and I need to make it right. But I also just go, sometimes our hearts condemned. Uh, and you just go, uh, I like the, the part that says God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Because I think there are some people that they're, man, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. And, and some of us are just so willing to go and give and give and give and sacrifice. And just, you know, I, I think that's what this is saying here is that like, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And if you feel like maybe you're not doing enough, God still knows your heart. But we should have this reassurance that if we're keeping these commandments. And again, I think this also goes back to last week and practicing righteousness. If we're doing these things, they should bring us assurance that we're children of God, 